0: I believe the British people have spoken up for democracy. I do not think it would be right for me to try to be the captain that steers our country to its next destination. A second referendum must be on the table. Let June the 23rd go down in our history as our Independence Day. So it's a little over a year since Robert and I stood on a street in central London at about six o'clock in the morning uh, just after the general election. And we began our podcast with
1: the words bloody hell, Robert, bloody hell, bloody hell. Indeed. And if we think of that time, May 2015, Cameron has got over the finish line. He's the surprise winner of the general election. We think what a position this man is in. How has he pulled this off? Thirteen months later, he has to announce he's resigning as Prime Minister and Leader of the Conservative Party. Thirteen months after winning a general election. It's a staggering turnabout, uh, of course, of his own making. The total number of votes cast in favour of Remain was 16,141,241. The total number of votes cast in favour of Leave was 17,410,742.
0: I love this country, and I feel honoured to have served it. And I will do everything I can in future to help this great country succeed. Whatever your politics, when you hear his voice start crack when you saw his wife clearly upset standing next to him. You can't help but feel a little bit sorry for him. And we will talk about David Cameron and how he is effectively the architect of his own downfall, really, in, in a moment. But we have to begin. And it's extraordinary to think that we have to relegate the resignation of the prime minister to second place because we have to begin by talking about the fact that as a total surprise, people didn't see it coming. Britain has voted to leave the European Union and that is a decision that is going to reverberate not just for the rest of this year, but for decades. And we don't know,
1: and the Leave campaign leaders don't know, what's going to happen next. How this plays out is so, so complicated. Trade agreements. With individual countries and with the EU. How that plays out with still the argument about, say, free movement of labour, for instance. How those two things, how those two parallel lines work together, I do not know. Let's
0: go back to Thursday night into Friday morning. In those first moments after the polls closed, Nigel Farage seemed to concede defeat a couple of times and then change his mind. The only poll we had suggested that it would be a narrow remain vote. But then from pretty soon after the results started coming in, I think Newcastle was the first obvious sign that something was, was not quite in line with the predictions because the remain vote there was so much lower than uh, most of us were expecting it to be. And really by about 2.30 on Friday morning, it was fairly obvious. This was a leave win, wasn't going to change. We had, not just you and I, all of us, once again, utterly called this the wrong way and failed to see what was coming.
1: I couldn't help thinking when I saw that Remain vote coming out, even where they were expected to win, it reminded me of the Labour Party last year when they were winning in their key seats, but not by much, not the sort of amount you expected. And you knew they looked pretty doomed from early on. In terms of so-called experts, I mean, we do have to tear a lot of this up, really. There's a strong argument to say we all, a lot of, say, media people, they mix in very similar circles, reasonably moderate sort of circles, shall we say, fairly metropolitan, fairly London-based. There's a strong argument to say they just simply do the same with the politicians. Do they really understand what people in Peterborough, Lincoln and Sheffield are really thinking, the sort of people who have voted to get out of the European Union?
0: London voted significantly, nearly two-thirds of the vote in London to remain. It was the only region in England that voted to stay in the EU. Every other region came to the opposite conclusion. It does say something about how disconnected London has become from the rest of the country that we end up with that result. There are so many consequences for us to talk about, but we obviously have to begin with the departure of David Cameron. I will do everything I can as Prime Minister to steady the ship over the coming weeks and months. But I do not think it would be right for me to try to be the captain that steers our country to its next destination. This is not a decision I've taken lightly but i do believe it's in the national interest to have a period of stability and then the new leadership required the prime minister will be out by the end of the summer there will be a new tory leader he will probably be boris johnson we'll come on to him in a second we said at the beginning you know architect of his own downfall in a way david cameron probably didn't want to have this referendum thought when he offered it that he would give it away in coalition negotiations with the liberal democrats thought when that didn't happen and he had this unexpected election victory that he could ride this out because he had experience of being on the winning side in a referendum on pulling off an election victory, stick to those same rules, frighten the voters into sticking with the status quo mm. and now this is the only thing David Cameron will be remembered for. When you open a book in 50 years time David Cameron will be the man who led Britain out of the European Union and possibly broke up the United Kingdom.
1: It's true as we said with Tony Blair the Iraq War. That's what sticks to him. With David Cameron, it will be the European Union. Ironically, the man who always said when he became leader it was time to stop banging on about Europe, a decade later, it's seen him off. And this civil war that's been going on, raging the Conservative Party, really, really, since sort of like late 1980s, and has come to the fore, and it's claimed its most high-profile victim. Did he have much choice? Originally, this was a Prime Minister whose MPs were very, very nervous a couple of years ago about the rise of UKIP. He had to come out and say something. We'll lance this Boyle, once and for all, I'll guarantee a referendum while probably thinking I'm never going to give you a referendum but he had to say it and then of course the fact he ended up winning by 11 which is rather unexpected he's in rather a predicament and that has sealed his fate.
0: Boris Johnson emerges
1: on the winning side again but I think you said it on Thursday night Boris doesn't lose. No, exactly. I mean even yeah, when, when it was being predicted that Remain might edge it I thought this is going to be a very rare night us talking about a Boris Johnson defeat where well, we weren't in the end it was another Boris Johnson victory. I believe the British people have spoken up for democracy in Britain
0: and across Europe. And I think we can be very proud of the result.
1: And now you start to think, even the elements of the Conservative Party who are distrustworthy of him, who don't like him, they do have to think, the man has got serious form when it comes to winning elections. Is he the sort of character that can knock down those doors in those parts of the country that voted Brexit, where are currently even Labour seats? You do wonder. Recently, I spoke to um, a taxi driver in Newcastle and I and we said, Well, what would you think of Boris? And he said, I tell you what, he's a breath of fresh air as a Labour supporting guy in the northeast of England. Of course, not everybody likes Boris Johnson.
0: And that was just the friendly crowd waiting outside his home in North London. And, and man of the people, Boris Johnson walked wordlessly through that crowd to get into a cab surrounded by, I would say, about 15 to 20 police officers and was escorted down the street that he lives in. Right now, Boris Johnson is obviously the overwhelming favourite to be the next Tory leader, but... Let's bear in mind, front runners in Tory leadership election races very, very rarely win. And the person who wields the knife on the current leader very rarely ends up as the leader. Ask Michael Heseltine uh, what happened to him. There is a frantic search going on now at the top of the Tory party to find a single Stop Boris candidate. Now, a week ago, we would have assumed that was George Osborne. He's vanished. We'll come to that in a minute. But... It seems to be coalescing around Theresa May, who's been very clever, officially pro Remain, but
1: barely said a word in the referendum campaign. She's played it very, very well, and I, I think you say with the Osborne's fate looking sealed, she is. She would seem to be the inevitable choice of the, you know, say the more moderate wing of the Conservative Party, the pro Remain, which, let's at the end of the day, the, the the majority of Tory MPs will were, were remain. So I think she does seem to be, at the moment, it could change the person that they will fall behind. A sort of, you know, She seems like a responsible, matriarchal figure to come in to lead the party through what is essentially a crisis. I think she's got, she's got a very, very strong case. History suggests there could be another twist yet that someone else may come to the fore and get some momentum. Right now, if there's a gun to her head, of course we're going to say Boris to win it, but the parliamentary party have to let him through. To get to the last two. Could the parliamentary party, would it have the balls basically to say, no, you can't go to the last two and we're not going to let you go to the members and win with a landslide victory. Would they block him?
0: And then, moving on from the Conservative Party, there's Nigel Farage. It's a victory for ordinary people, decent people. It's a victory against the big merchant banks against the big businesses and against big politics and i'm proud of everybody that had the courage in the face of all the threats everything they were told they had the guts to stand up and do the right thing now the ukip leader said on friday morning i've worked towards this the whole of my political life this is the thing he has dreamed of and and while He's doubtless been celebrating with the odd pint and the odd fag. The purpose of the UK Independence Party was to get us out of the European Union. What now is the ongoing purpose of the UK
1: Independence Party? Well, I think as we see it unfold, UKIP will very quickly start to position themselves as the monitors watching this and shouting from the side, this isn't acceptable, you're going back on what the people voted for. So I think they've got plenty of flesh to hold on to, presently still in this debate, and Farage is going absolutely nowhere. I think he's, you know, he's had the best night of his political life. And as we know, it's not like we're leaving the European Union tomorrow. There's a long, long process ahead, a very painful process, and UKIP will revel in, in being the sort of the as I say, the angry monitor at the side accusing, I suspect, the government of selling us down the river. In those first few hours after the referendum result, it did seem for a time that
0: most power in this country rested on... Nigel Farage's shoulders, because we weren't hearing from anybody else. But up popped Nigel every so often to tell us what he reckoned about everything. Wherever you stand on the debate, let's just remind ourselves that Nigel Farage is a member of the European Parliament, Well, he won't have that job for very much longer. He's been trying to make himself unemployed for years. He's tried to become an MP on two occasions now, and has failed both times. And yet somehow, somehow, this man has become... The most powerful politician, along with Boris Johnson, in the country. What a curious world we're living in.
1: It is is absolutely remarkable, as you say. I mean, in terms of who are the most high-profile politicians in the country, you'd think, well, Boris Johnson, David Cameron... Nigel Farage, probably. I think there would be the three who really stand out. You say he's he's never been elected to the Houses of Parliament. He's television gold, as we as we know, and he's cultivated a fantastic political persona that is addictive for people. They just you know, he's always ready to come on with a, a great soundbite. He's only going one way. It's only going we're only going to be seeing more of him over the next couple of years, I suspect. And that won't fill everyone with joy, but I think that's
0: the reality. Soon after the uh, the result emerged, uh, Nigel Farage was on television, was being interviewed, and was asked, "Right then, so." That £350 million a week that we were going to spend on the NHS, when is that going to start happening? And he went, ah, oh, yes, well, um, I mean, that's not going to happen. And we, and we shouldn't ever have said that it was going to happen, obviously. I mean, technically, that wasn't my campaign because they wouldn't have me in the official leave campaign. But, you know, no, 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 no. That, that's, that's not true. This was the post-truth political campaign this was the campaign we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where it no longer matters if the things you were saying are true or if they are lies as long as it it feels kind of truthy. It feels like the kind of thing that might be true. So you can send out a leaflet to every home in the country that lists a load of, of nations that you say may join the European Union, while casually pointing out how close they are to Iraq and Syria in a kind of dog whistle way. You can do that, and other people
1: can say, but none of this is true, and that, that doesn't seem to matter anymore. Both camps are guilty of this, of course as well we had the hysterical stuff from the leave campaign but remain were <laughs> equally guilty what was essential message it can hardly say the european union is a wonderful thing it embraces all the great elements of democracy that we fought for since world war ii la la. they weren't going to say that all they could say was look we're eurosceptics we know it actually misfires on a, a, a variety of levels but stick with what you know this would be a shot in the dark let's play it safe not a very sexy argument politically but it's one that a similar argument that kept scotland in the union it's a similar argument that got cameron over the line and Election last year. That was their line. The other side is as old as a hills, the Leave campaign argument. At the end of the day, the reason your life is crap is because of those people over there. They've caused this. This is why you're dissatisfied. This is why you live in a house that you don't like, a part of a country you like, why your marriage is unhappy. This is why it's them over there. They're the root cause of this. We mentioned a little earlier how David Cameron will now go down in history as the
0: man who took Britain out of the European Union. He could yet also go down in history as the man who broke up the United Kingdom. It is a significant and material change in circumstances And it is therefore a statement of the obvious that the option of a second referendum must be on the table. And it is on the table. Nicola Sturgeon has never made any secret of the fact that if Scotland had voted to stay in the EU, but the UK as a whole voted to leave, that made it legitimate to have another referendum on independence. That is obviously going to happen. Is it winnable, though? Because there's a 10-point gap that she has to make up to get that vote yes Scotland voted to stay in the EU are they willing to go that
1: one step further and vote to leave the United Kingdom because two years ago they weren't the people who remain supporters have been very distraught saying it's the end of the United Kingdom Scotland are going to leave that's it fait complete. I'm not sure that's the case I think this is more complicated than that you know, I don't presume that they necessarily that Scotland will go we talk a little bit about uh,
0: people's expressions of regret, leave voters who have mysteriously been telling television reporters up and down the country that they didn't think when they put a cross in the box that said leave the European Union that that actually meant that they would leave the European Union. Now, there's an argument to be made. This is not a country that holds referendums. This is a representative democracy. We send people to parliament to make difficult decisions on our behalf because they are difficult and complicated and you want people who do that job full time. Now. Did we as a country give proper serious consideration to whether or not we should stay in the European Union? I think whether you're on the Leave or the Remain side, the answer has to be absolutely we did not. And when you consider how finely balanced the result ended up being, 52-48, already I think enough of the Leave voters have said, kind of wish I hadn't done this, that if you did the referendum again now, you get a different result. But it's too late for that. This this is a one-way ticket. Everyone was told it was a one-way ticket, and there was a four-month campaign in which people could have decided to
1: read up about what might actually happen. The ship has sailed. It's going. It's, it's sailing into a big old mess because uh, unraveling ourselves in the European Union, as we say, is a very protracted, complicated, bitter process <laughs> over the next few years. But the ship has sailed. We're not having another referendum. I'm sure of that. The the, two, the political elites on both sides have to take responsibility for the level of debate, the scaremongering. Only last week. Week of George Osborne. I mean, even some ardent remain supporters thought, you know what, I fancy actually voting leave on the basis of you trying to blackmail the country with the threats that you announced last week. It was cynical, predictable stuff from the chance. I think he played the same hand one time too many. Let's turn our attention to the Labour Party. You mentioned political elites.
0: On both sides. This referendum was won by leave in the north of England in parts of the Midlands and in Wales and it was won by traditional Labour voters voting to leave the EU. Something that five years ago people in the Labour Party would have thought was absolutely impossible. Now there are two questions there. The first is why has the Labour Party not realised and why did it not realise sooner how many of their natural supporters were uneasy with mass immigration, uneasy with the European Union and, and open to being persuaded to vote to leave. They had enough of a warning from the UKIP surge in the general election last year. And the other question is, Jeremy Corbyn, Eurosceptic, skeptic, lukewarm on EU membership, campaigns for remain in the most lackluster, lukewarm way you could possibly imagine. And it's his voters who didn't turn out for the Remain side, who swung this referendum to a leave vote. So while it's David Cameron's responsibility that he called this referendum that's led to this vote, Jeremy Corbyn bears an awful lot of responsibility from others in the Labour Party for failing to motivate
1: his supporters. I think it goes back to the fact the Labour Party was a remarkably successful election machine from the mid-1990s up until... You know, Brown was seen off in 2010, I mean, you know, even though the majorities had, got, majorities had gone down, that was a landslide Labour government in 1997, they had big majorities. And did they at that time, over those subsequent years, stop talking and stop understanding where their natural supporters were, where their concerns were? Because they seemed to be very blind to the growing UKIP threat that came in. One of the most surreal moments of, of the night uh, of, of the referendum
0: results was when at about six o'clock in the morning, Labour MPs were sent the line to take, they were say, this is what you should be saying in interviews. And in, in what was just the most rambling collection of nonsense, in the middle of it was a line that said, by campaigning in the way that he has, Jeremy Corbyn has demonstrated that he is in touch with the concerns of ordinary people who were only ever reluctant members of the European Union. So what they're saying is, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, who who delivered some of the worst speeches of this campaign, drifting off on topics that were in no way related to the EU referendum, refusing to share a platform with other parties, Jeremy Corbyn has somehow displayed remarkable leadership qualities, which would explain why, within days, there could be an overwhelming vote of no confidence from his own MPs and a leadership election in the Labour Party as well, one which he may well win, because fundamentally Labour Party members, I suspect, would vote for Jeremy Corbyn if he emerged from a shadow cabinet meeting holding up the severed heads of other members of the Labour Party. I think they'd still say, he's a man for me, he's in touch with the
1: ordinary person. I think Corbyn's performance was pretty pitiful during the campaign, but as you say, removing him is very, very difficult. You can't just have a coup of MPs saying we don't like him, unless they want us to form a different party and call themselves the Parliamentary Labour Party against the Labour Party with all the members. And essentially, that is where the split is at the moment. You've got all these other people in the Labour Party that we used to talk about and write about every day, who are now just in exile, right, at the centre-left. So there's a huge, huge chunk of the Labour Party that want, wants him gone, but really, can they do they really have the numbers? I think there'd have to be a, a huge turnaround in in Labour Party membership full of centre-left moderates to get rid of Corbyn.
0: Well, there's the thing. Mm. Jeremy Corbyn was elected leader of the Labour Party because of an influx of hundreds of thousands of people who paid three pounds to have their say on who the next leader of the Labour Party should be. And while this podcast takes no political position at all, If a large number of people who were opposed to Jeremy Corbyn paid £3 to become supporters of the Labour Party and vote in the next leadership election, maybe the outcome would be different. Two last things, uh, looking forwards... A general election. We've heard lots of people say, well, we're going to have a new leader of the Conservative Party, a new Prime Minister. Maybe we're going to have a new leader of the Labour Party. We've had this massive earth shock that nobody saw coming three or four days ago. Maybe we're going to have a general election. Now, it's not as easy as it used to be. Boris Johnson or whoever ends up as prime minister can't just pop down to the palace and have a general election. Two thirds of MPs have to vote Mm -hmm. for the dissolution of parliament. So in other words, you have to persuade the Conservative Party and the Labour Party to vote in favour of there being a general Mm -hmm. election. It's very rare that both parties would think it was in their own interest. But Boris Johnson has form saying that you shouldn't be able to change leader and therefore prime minister midterm without going to the people for a fresh mandate. Now, look.
1: This Boris. Is Boris, we're talking about. <laughs>
0: Boris is a man of a wide vocabulary, and I'm yes. sure he will find a very erudite way to explain why he no longer believes that. After all, he used to think it was ridiculous that Turkey wasn't a member of the European Union. It wouldn't be surprising to hear him reverse that position. I spoke to a lot of people the last 24 hours who say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, there'll be a general election. If not in the autumn, then certainly by the spring of mm-hmm. next year." Do you think that's going to happen?
1: My gut feeling, for whatever that is worth, is there would be. I, I imagine there would have to be. I don't. I think autumn would be too soon. You've got a Tory leadership contest, which sounds like it's going to be raging through the summer which is going to be resolved in the autumn I'm guessing then if we have a new prime minister by then a few months in we're not going to have it in the middle of the winter general election so it would seem a spring election would be the safest bet presently One last thought the act of parliament that allowed
0: this referendum as many conspiracy theorists have pointed out is not just technically binding on the government, it is an advisory referendum. It advises the government of the opinion of the British public. And in order for it to take force, it has to be voted through by Parliament. So we know that probably coming on for 500 of the 650 MPs actually supported a remain vote. Those MPs have to walk through the lobbies and support leaving the EU. But it would trigger an unimaginable constitutional crisis to
1: reject the democratically expressed will of the British people, wouldn't it? It would, it would almost have a sort of Game of Thrones-like scene with the North and the Midlands charging down into the capital, saying, hang on a minute, and throwing out the elected representatives. I mean, there's no way they could do that. It will be a very surreal moment to see all those pro-Remain MPs, and they are the majority in the House of Commons, having to march through to actually remove us from the European Union. It is a surreal sequence of events, but it has to happen. As I say, the ship has sailed. The vote, whether people like it or not, leave as one they have to go with it at midnight on the day of the referendum as we rolled on the 23rd of june i sat in
0: my living room and i watched a massive thunderstorm over london lightning descending on the capital rain tempest storms it happened again at four o'clock that afternoon it may have contributed to the lower turnout in london that may have had a hand in the results. And as we sit here, I've just heard a crack of thunder in the sky again. Somebody is not happy. I think we'll leave it there. After 24 hours that saw the Prime Minister resign, the two biggest political parties in the country thrown into turmoil, billions wiped off the value of some of the country's leading businesses, a plunge in the value of the pound and fundamentally a vote to leave the European Union and a big, broad grin on the face of Nigel Farage. That is plenty for us to think about, Robert. Thank you for joining me uh, on our our little Brexit special. We'll be back uh, to weigh up the next moves in, as Robert said, this Game of Thrones-style political world we've now been thrown into. But for the moment, do get in touch on the Twitter at paul osborne thank you very much for listening try to get some sleep